tonight we are uh, continuing our series that we've been in for like the last month and a half called Blurred Lines, right? And the whole point of this series, many of you could, could get up here and quote exactly what this series has been about, and that's great. This whole series has been about us finding clarity in a culture that distorts and twists the truth, right? Culture is chaotic, and, and the way that uh, culture defines truth is incredibly unclear. It's blurry, right? And so as believers, we want to know clearly what the truth is, right? And we've talked about how scripture is our source and standard and all sorts of other things, right, that point back to Jesus being the truth. And last week, we kind of, we made a, a shift with our series, right? And we started talking about questions that many of you have told us you're walking through, processing, and struggling with. Right, so we started out the series last week with the, the question of, hey, what's the big deal about heaven? Right, we talked about, hey, heaven's a big deal, and here's why. And, and if you have notes, if you don't have notes, I'd encourage you to get some off the back table. But if you do have notes, uh, let's look at that recap together, right? Because what we took away from last week is that God desires for everyone to have eternal life with him. Right, that is God's desire for you. God's desire for you and for me is to have eternal life with him, right? God doesn't want you to have eternal life away from him because that's the alternative of heaven is eternal separation from God, right? God wants you to have eternal life with him. And we talked about how heaven is a place of no mores, right? Heaven is a place of no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears, no more death, right? But we also talked about that while heaven is available for everyone, heaven is also exclusive, right? We all have the opportunity to experience heaven through a relationship with Christ, but that's the catch. You have to have a relationship with Christ if you want to have eternal life in heaven. So tonight we're going to continue down this kind of journey of uh, walking through some tough questions that uh, we have struggled with, that we're processing, that we, we look at culture and we look at scripture and they say two different things and we can't make sense of it. And so tonight we're, we're going to try our best to tackle the loaded question of does science contradict Christianity? Now I'm sure that's right. The answer is no. Good job. You could come preach this message for me if you want to. Uh, the, Sci does science contradict Christianity? And I think as we're sitting in, in our science classes at school and we're being taught different things and reading different things, this is a real question that many of us have. And it's not wrong to have the question, but as Christians, this is, it's really important for us to understand this question because science is, is something that's all around us, right? You, you can't escape it. Science is, is something that is taught to us, but science is also something, here's just the reality, science is something that people use to contradict and deny God, right? People use science to deny God. And so as believers, we need to be strong in our foundation. We need to be strong in our beliefs and strong in scripture so that when we are challenged on our beliefs, we can stand firm and know the truth. And I think the problem a lot of us face, especially at your age, is when someone says something to you, especially from a place of authority, like a teacher or, hey, even a pastor, right? The problem there is that we just accept something because it's told to us, 
right? And I think even as we look at culture and the different things that you're influenced by on social media, sometimes we're prone to just say, oh, this must be true, right? And, and our hope, even here at Midweek, is that as we preach things, you'll go back to Scripture, right? And you won't just take what we say as true because we say it, but you'll know it is true because you're going back to the Word of God and confirming that it's true. Now, I'll stand here all day and say, yes, what we're teaching is true, but you have to do your part, right? I, I want to show you tonight, right, that, that culture is misportraying things to you, especially through science. Now, I, just disclaimer, I am by no means a scientist. I hated science class. Uh, I did everything I could to just take the basic science courses, right? So I, I'm, not a, I'm not the most knowledgeable person when it comes to science, but what I do know is what God has taught me on this subject. What I do know is what the scripture says about these things, because I struggled with this question too. So what I want to talk to you tonight is what I have learned as I have struggled through this and tell you what God has taught me through his word. And so as we talk about this question tonight, we'll kind of hit three different points, right? And, and on your notes, you'll see there's, there's three main points, but there's so much tonight that we didn't want to just give you all fill in the blank, right? We gave you lines there so that you can just write down what you feel like is important to you, what you are taking away from this. So there, there's two popular debates when it comes uh, to culture and scripture when it, when it centers around science and faith. And we'll look at those. But first, what I want us to look at is the relationship that science and faith have. Let's look, but before we dive into any of the popular debates, I want us to establish that faith and science have a relationship, right? Culture would tell you that science and faith are, are complete opposites, right? That they're complete opposites, that they go completely against each other. But really, when, when we look at science and Christianity, what we see is they share the same goal. Science and Christianity share the same goal, but here's, here's the key difference is they share different perspectives. It's the same goal, but they share different perspectives. And that goal simply that, that faith and science share is the pursuit of knowledge and truth. Right? The goal of science is to pursue what is true, to discover what is true, to tell others what the facts and the truth are. And that's the goal of scripture for us too. Right? The goal of scripture is to tell us what is true, for us to have clarity on truth in our lives. So it's the same goal, but they have completely different perspectives. Right? As we've been walking through the series, you'll remember that in the Gospel of John, that Jesus says, hey, I am the way, I am the what? The truth. Right? So Jesus is the truth. Right? So, so when we look at it, Right? Let, let's just logically think through this. If, if both faith and science are pursuing the truth, then they're ultimately pursuing Jesus. Faith and science are ultimately pursuing Jesus. They have two different perspectives on it, but they're both pursuing the truth, which we know as Jesus. So then I think the, the, the deeper question here is, okay, if they're both pursuing Jesus, then, then how are they doing this, right? Same goal, different perspective. So when we look at science and faith, we first see that science, right, is the understanding of how God created things, 
right? Science is the understanding of how. If you're taking notes, underline the word how. Science is how God created things. And faith is the understanding of why God created things. Underline that word why. Faith is the understanding of why God created things, right? Science cannot answer the why. I don't care how many tests you run, experiments you do, or things that you observe, faith, or excuse me, science cannot answer the why, right? Questions like, why is something beautiful? Why is something right or wrong, right? Science cannot answer why we have purpose. Open up a science textbook and show me where it tells you why you have a purpose on this earth. But what I can do is I can open up God's word and through faith, get the answer to the question why. Right, science will tell me all day long how these different things were created. But scripture comes and it tells me why things are beautiful. And that things are beautiful because God created them that way. Or that there is a distinct right and wrong because God has given us all, no matter what, what background you come from, we all have this internal moral sense of what right and wrong is. Right, God has given us that. And we have a purpose because God has given us that purpose and our purpose is ultimately to serve him, right? So they have a relationship, right? Scripture uh, largely doesn't tell us the, the fine details of how individual things were created. It does on a couple things, but largely scripture points to why God created or why God does something and science points to how he did it. So they have the, the same goal, but different perspectives. So let's, knowing that, right, same goal, different perspectives. Let's use that, and let's launch into two of the most popular debates between science and Christianity. And again, uh, I would love to have this conversation with you outside of this. If, if you want to push back on it, I, I will tell you right now, uh, a student I had in the past came and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with me on this subject, and I loved it. I love having a conversation on this topic. And so if you're processing this and something doesn't make sense to you, let's talk about it. But as we go through this, again, I'm not a scientist. I'm not the most knowledgeable person in the world. I'm not God. I'm just a man who's following God and trying to make sense of what he's taught me. So let's walk through these two debates and do the best that we can, knowing that science and faith have the same goal, different perspectives. So let's first look at faith and the Big Bang Theory. Faith and the Big Bang Theory, right? So there's two positions on this, right? Two positions. Culture says that the universe was just created by chance, right? That's, that's what your textbooks tell you, that somehow, some way, the universe was formed, and then this big explosion happened, and it was just luck of the draw, right? But scripture says that the universe was created by God. There's the two positions. Universe was created by chance. Universe created by by God, right? And the Big Bang Theory largely says, and don't quote me exactly on it again, I'm not a scientist, but that there was this mass of energy and matter that exploded out into the universe, and that's where we've gotten our, our planets and our stars and the order of the solar system, right? That was kind of the, the launching point of time and creation as we know it. And I want to share with you uh, two quotes that I find really interesting. And the first one comes from Stephen Hawking. And many of you may know who Stephen Hawking is. 
He is a very profound thinker. He is an atheist. Uh, But listen to what he says, because I think this is just, it's good. It says, virtually everyone believes the universe had a beginning. Right? Stephen Hawking, an atheist, says that virtually everyone believes the universe had a beginning and that many people do not like the idea that time has a beginning because it smacks of divine intervention. What Stephen Hawking is saying is that people don't like to admit that the universe had a beginning of time because it stinks of God intervening and there being a creator. And people don't want to admit that. Right, it's so obvious, but they don't want to admit that. And that's coming from an atheist, one of the most profound atheistic thinkers. An MIT professor, also someone who is really smart on this subject, wrote a book called The First Three Minutes, and catch what he says here. At the beginning, there was a bright explosion of light and energy, and the universe was filled with light. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit like the creation story. And I want us to look at that story right now, Genesis 1. It's on your notes. It'll be on the screens. Uh, Genesis 1, verses 1 through 5, and here we're going to begin to see this play out. Listen to what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Right, so scripture says that God created the heavens and the earth. Essentially, God created the universe, right? Now, faith would tell us why God created things, right? He is a relational God who desires a relationship with his creation. He's a creator, right? And naturally, creators create things just as a a painter paints things, right? God is a creator, so it is his nature to create. Now, what we see uh, when we look back through the history of the Big Bang Theory is that the theory was actually started by a Catholic priest, right? A Catholic priest founded the Big Bang Theory, came up with came up with this whole theory, and he came up with this theory, get this, to explain how God created the universe. The Big Bang Theory was originally created to explain how God created the universe. A Catholic priest, trying to make sense of how God created, came up with the Big Bang Theory. Now, honestly, I've had to ask myself this question. When it says God said, let there be light, what do I expect that to look like? Now, when I flip on the lights, yes, I just see instantaneous light, and it's like no big deal. But what I don't see is behind the scenes the explosion of energy that is taking place. So could it be that as God is creating the universe, that when he says, let there be light, there's an explosion of energy and mass and matter into the universe? Could the Big Bang Theory be how God created? It doesn't contradict that God did create. It just explains how he created. Or when, I, when I look at the Big Bang Theory as a whole, I think it's honestly more of a problem for people who don't have faith in God than people who do. Because uh, let's, let's look at a couple things, right? W- without God, who created it? Who created the Big Bang and this ball of mass and matter? 
right? Without God, how do you explain the order of the universe? Things like uh, the, the rotation of the earth, right? That we are rotating at just the perfect speed. Too, too slow, and we'd be, we'd be burned up. It'd be too hot. If we're rotating faster, we would be swept up in atmospheric winds, and you wouldn't even be able to stay on the ground. The winds would be so strong. Or things like Jupiter, right, whose orbit and gravitational pull bring in things from space to protect them or protect Earth from getting hit by them. Or Earth's position within the solar system, right? We all know the, the planets on both sides of us, no one can live on them, right? If we're too close to the sun, we burn up and we die. If we're further from the sun, we all freeze and we die. But the Earth is in the perfect position for life to exist. And then you get into deeper things like the earth's crust and how it's made and how the way it's made is actually sustainable for life. And so when we look at the relationship between science and faith, we see how it relates to the Big Bang Theory. We see that the Big Bang Theory could be how God created the universe. And it doesn't contradict Scripture because Scripture tells us why God created Scripture, the creation story, is the, the story of why. So what we ultimately see, I, I would write this down, is that there's a big God behind the Big Bang. There's a big God behind the Big Bang. Nothing is out of reach for God. Who am I to say that God couldn't have created the earth in this way? That's just food for thought. The second debate that I want us to look at is, is a little more contested and that is faith and evolution. All right, this is a big debate, faith and evolution. And again, we have kind of two positions here. Right? We, we've got culture saying that everything, including you, has evolved. Everything has evolved. That's what culture says. Scripture says that God created everything. Scripture says that God created everything. Now, when we, when we broadly look at evolution, there, there's two types. There's microevolution and macroevolution. And, and we all know the guy by the name of Charles Darwin, who is considered the founder of evolutionary thinking. And, and you all know that, that Charles Darwin was studying these birds called finches and, and how their beaks would change over time to adapt to the environments and the, the situations that they were in. That is called microevolution. Charles Darwin never went so far to say that on a macro scale, on a big scale, that species evolved into other species. That was not what Charles Darwin was saying. He was just saying that animals adapt. And, and, and I like to look at it as if I take a dog from Florida, where I lived previously, and took it to Colorado or Alaska, it's going to adapt, right? All of you in this room growing up in Colorado would die in Florida. It's too hot for you. It's too humid for you. But let me tell you something. This winter, I'm dying. It's too cold for me because my blood can't take it, right? I have not adapted to my environment. You have. Just as if you move to Florida, it's, it's not going to be pleasant for the first couple of summers, but over time, you'll get used to it, right? We were actually talking with Micah, and he was saying he spent so much time in the South, coming back to Colorado, his blood's too thin, right? The oxygen is getting to him. Same for me, man. I'm getting out of breath just going up these stairs right here. It's awful. 
But we adapt to the situations that we're in. And, and that's what Charles Darwin was essentially saying, is that we adapt to our situations. He was never saying that species evolve. Right? On, on the other hand, right, so you've got culture saying that. On the other hand, you have scripture in Genesis 1 saying that God created over the period of seven time frames. Right? We, we call them seven days. Uh, and it was written as seven days because that's how the people would have understood it, right? It's very vague if we say seven periods of time. But if we say, hey, God created in seven days, like we can, we can picture that. We can visualize that. But largely, people who are very knowledgeable in the faith have come to understand that God created essentially in seven periods of time, right? You have the, the days of creation, right? Day one, God created light and day and night. He created on day two, heaven and earth. On day three, he created the sea and the land. Day four, the sun and the moon. Birds and fish on day five. And then on day six, he created the animals and you. He created humans and animals on day six. And when we look generally at what cultural evolution says, right? evolution, the way it's taught, the way it's proposed has four main problems. And let's walk through those together because I think these are going to make sense for you. They're on the screen. The first problem that we see with cultural evolution, the, 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 the fact that culture teaches that, hey, humans evolved from monkeys, right? The first problem is that there's little evidence of this, right? When we look at the evolutionary trees, we see that there's not really any fossil records of these transitional species, Right, the, even a, an atheist professor at Harvard, is Harvard a smart school? Can we all agree Harvard's a smart school? Okay, okay. A pro, would we all agree that professors at Harvard are smart people and know what they're talking about? Okay, good. Glad we're on the same page. All right, Stephen Gold, right? Get this, get this. Listen, Stephen Gold, an atheist professor at Harvard, said this. He said the extreme rarity of transitional forms in the fossil record is the trade secret of paleontologists, people who study fossils. The evolutionary trees that adorn your textbooks have data only at the tips of their branches. Now, what does that mean? He's saying the only thing that we have evidence for are the species that we currently see. He's saying we don't have evidence of these transitional fossils that say species evolved into other species. He's saying there's no evidence for that. Don't take it from a Christian. Take it for, from someone who doesn't believe in God. Right? There's, there's no bias in this. This is someone who doesn't believe in God saying, hey, there's no proof of this. We primarily only see the things that we see. And what we come to know is that people essentially when they believe evolution they believe it by faith because they have to believe that all these things that aren't there actually happened, right? All these things that they don't have proof for, they have to believe out of faith that it actually did happen. They have to believe by faith. The second problem is science can't reproduce it. It can't reproduce any evolution. That is why it's called the theory of evolution because it can't be proven. That's a big difference when you look at science. There are theories and there are laws, right? A theory is something that is supposed, hasn't been proven, but a law has 
been proven, right? You, you go through the, the, the thing called the scientific method and you start with the question and you test it and you come up with a, a hypothesis and then you test it, but at the end of it, you repeat it. And if you can repeat it and continue to get the same results, then it becomes factual. It becomes a law. Theories are not factual. They're just thought, hey, maybe this could be right. So science can't reproduce it. The third thing is that evolution says that things become more complex over time. Now, let me just ask you something. Do you become more complex over time? No. You die over time. Newsflash, you're going to grow old and you're going to die. You're not going to grow to 100 years old and be in the best shape and form of your life. It's just not going to happen. You, at right now, you're in good form, but hey, just newsflash, there's going to come a time where you're not going to be able to shoot hoops like you used to. You're going to get old and your knees are going to start hurting. Your back's going to hurt, right? All the jokes you make on the adult volunteers, hey, it's coming for you. Just wait. Just wait. Right? Everything that we see with our eyes would say that that's not true. Evolution says that species became more complex over time. Right? We, we know that nothing in this world becomes complex, more complex over time. Things naturally deteriorate. And the fourth thing is that something cannot come from nothing. It's true with the Big Bang Theory. It's true with evolution. Trace it all the way back, right? Let's just say evolution for a moment was true. Let's just for a minute say evolution was true. Let's go back to the beginning because something at the beginning had to come from nothing if evolution is true. The smallest cell that evolved into the more complex thing at some point had to come from nothing. Everything has to have a beginning. But there's this thing called a scientific law the first law of thermodynamics, right? Something that has been proven to be true over and over and over again, just like gravity. It says that something cannot come from nothing. So again, I would ask, if something cannot come from nothing, how could evolution, as it's taught by culture, be true? Just food for thought. All right, so everything, when I look at this, especially that last one, what I see is everything points to a creator. Write that down. Everything points to a creator. When we look at Genesis 1 again, verse 9 through 13 and then 20 through 27, we're going to see this. Here's what, here's what happens. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground land and the waters seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation. Every sort of seed bearing plant and trees that grow seed bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce, catch this. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed bearing plants and trees with seed bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Now, let's flip over to verse 20 here. Look what it says here. Then God said, let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. 
So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water. And every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on earth. And the evening passed, morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings. And catch, catch the difference here in how God creates. Let us create human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish and the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. The livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So catch this, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Right? Scripture says that everything produces what it is. It doesn't produce something else. It produces things of the same kind. Plants, fish, animals, birds, they all reproduce what they are. But then it goes on, and God pays special attention to humans, to you and to me. And unlike any other part of creation, God creates us in his image. He, he, he pays close attention and gives great detail to us, right? Scripture tells us what God created, and it tells us why he created it. Now, let me just ask a question that's going to make you think. Could it be, could it be that God had an evolving framework that he built from within each species? Here's what I mean by that. As God is creating fish, could it be that he created the first fish and didn't just start all over from scratch, but used what he had just created and built on it for the next fish? And then could it be that he started from scratch on birds, and instead of starting all over from scratch on the second bird, he said, hmm, let me use what I've already created here and build off of it. Could it be that God had an evolving framework within each species that he built off of while he was creating? Right, birds, cows, deer, fish, whatever you want to call it, everything within that family of species, could it be that God worked off of an evolving framework? I don't think from what I have read in Scripture and read outside of Scripture that this is problematic to Scripture. It doesn't say that God didn't create if we said that fish evolved into birds, then that would say that God didn't create birds. He created only fish. But if we go from the mindset that God created each species, right, each family, right, he just created birds, could it be that he built off of that? At the end of the day, I, I don't know the answer. I don't know and can't sit here and say, yes, that's factually. All I know is that scripture says God created. 
And I know that scripture tells me why God created. Scripture doesn't tell me how God created the fish and the birds. It does tell me how God created humans, and that's the difference. God spent unique detail on humans. And so at the end of the day, here's where we have to come to. At the end of the day, we have to come to a place where we understand that we just have to have faith in God. We have to have faith in God, and that faith requires trust. And let me just ask you another question. Do you believe that God is who he says he is? God says that he is the creator. And so to some level, you're never going to have all the answers. You'll live your whole life, and you'll never have every single answer. At some point, you're going to have to have faith, and that faith is going to require you to trust that, hey, God is a God of his word. And when God says he created, that means he created. Right? At, the, at the end of the day, what I see, what I see at the end of the day is that culture ultimately uses science as a convenient excuse to deny God. Culture uses science as a convenient excuse to deny God. They, people who say that science contradicts God, that's their excuse. At the end of the day, they don't want God to be there. If you are using science as your excuse to deny God, your reasoning to say that God doesn't exist, catch this, because I'm speaking directly to you, if this is your reason, you don't want God to be there. That's your reason. You're just using science to cover it up. At the end of the day, you just don't want God to be there. Because if God is there, that means you have to change the way you're living your life. If God is there, that means you got to make changes. Right? This whole series, we've been talking about standing at the crossroad. Right? That culture and faith are saying two different things, and we have to choose which way we're going to go. If God exists and God is real, that means you have to make a change. And you have to make that change to follow God and to follow scripture. You got to stop living the life you're living and following culture. And I think it's easy for us to just go, oh, science says God isn't real. I think that's a convenient excuse. That is a convenient excuse because what I see at the end of the day is that science points to a creator. Science points to a creator. There had to be a beginning. You could not come from nothing, and nothing around you can come from nothing. So let's just think logically for a second and realize that there has to be a creator. And scripture tells us who that creator is. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. It was God of the Bible, who is, was, and will be the creator forever. You know, I, I think it takes a whole lot more faith for you or for me or for anyone else to place our trust in science. I think it takes a whole lot more faith to believe that everything happened by chance. What I think is easier is to believe that in the beginning, God created, which is what he has said from the very beginning of his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
uh, I thank you for this evening, the time that we can spend together. Uh, Lord, this is no easy subject. It's no easy question. Lord, what is the, the relationship between faith and science? Man, the world is telling us all these different things, God. The world is using science to try to say that you don't exist. But Lord, we know the truth because you've given us your word. So Lord, help us to take hold of your scripture, to seek your word as the truth in our life. Lord, challenge us on the beliefs that we hold that are wrong and replace those wrong beliefs with your truth. So Lord, as, as these students go from here tonight, Lord, I just pray that you would begin to speak your truth, your life into their hearts. And Lord, when they're, when they're confronted with taking a stand between faith and culture, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to say, I stand with Christ. I stand with Christ. So Lord, we just thank you for the love that you have for us. And all that you do for us, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, but ultimately we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you that you sent him to die on the cross for our sins so that we can be with you. So Lord, we thank you. Thank you for these students and the love that you have for them. In your name we pray, amen.